I want to introduce to you our speaker for this morning and also the speaker for Teen Summer Break. It's my privilege and honor to uh, have on the platform Joe Casaneda. I met Joe about 11 years ago as I was trying to establish a relationship, a wonderful relationship with a young lady, Cheris Moyer at the time, now, presently, and forevermore, until I die, uh, Cheris Henson. Uh, we were married 10 years ago on Friday, and we got to celebrate our uh, 10th anniversary, as I think I've already mentioned before, and uh, Joe Casaneda was the man who not only did our pre-marriage counseling, but also married us. Um, and we had a unique pre-marriage counseling, and for those of you who are looking to get married, um, I would encourage you to do so, get pre-marriage counseling, and also get married, Okay. Uh, but we had a unique pre-marriage counseling where my wife at the time was in Israel. I was in Pennsylvania in seminary. And uh, Joe, Pastor Joe, was in Oregon. And we had to find that time when we could get on Skype together and the, and the planets in line, uh, you know. And we got together. And most of you probably did pre-marriage counseling in an, a nice, comfy office with just you and the pastor. I did pre-marriage counseling with myself in a booth at Donut Connection with Carl and Henry at the bar getting their donut, and I'm trying to say, okay, answer his questions as discreetly as possible in pre-marriage counseling. It was, it was a unique experience, and I wouldn't recommend that, but it was wonderful. Joe, I'm so thankful that you're here. Why don't you come, share a little about yourself, and preach the word to us. Thank you. Thank you. Good morning almost afternoon. We'll just say it now. Good afternoon. How y'all doing? It's good to be with you this morning. Uh, I'm excited to uh, be here, to be in West Virginia. My first time in West Virginia. And I want to apologize to you because all I knew about West Virginia, John Denver, Tommy, (laughs) that was it. And uh, yesterday as we drove in, uh, we drove into West Virginia from Ohio and then we left and entered Pennsylvania and then we re-entered West Virginia and we left for Maryland. And then we re-entered West Virginia. So I've been here four times. So this has uh, been great. And my, my, my daughter, um, my middle child, my oldest girl, Bethany, is with us. She's 14. Uh, she had never heard of John Denver. So every time we entered the state, we played that song just for her. And she, by the end, she's like, ah, mount, mama, bye. <laughs> uh, but man, what a beautiful state you have. What a, what a joy to be here. We're looking forward to the weekend. Uh, we have some mornings off. We're going to do some exploring. So if you have any recommendations, tell my wife. She'll be at the back table there afterward. And uh, we'll, we'll, we want to take in some sights while we're here and looking forward to that. Um, we, uh, we now live in Michigan. We've been there four years. Uh, prior to that, uh, I was a full-time youth pastor out on the West Coast, spent 17 years almost out there where I grew up, where my wife grew up. And four years ago, God brought us into youth ministry in Michigan. And it has been uh, an adventure. Uh, following the Lord isn't always easy, uh, but it's always right. And uh, we left our family and friends and all our connections on the West Coast, followed the Lord to Michigan. What we thought was going to be part of a ministry, and uh, two years into that, it, it fell apart in catastrophic fashion. And you know those moments where you're, you're certain you're following the Lord, but things aren't going like you thought they should? Like God didn't check with you about the details. <laughs> you ever have those moments? Uh, we certainly did. 
And uh, two years ago, as we began uh, what is our current venture, uh, we just said, Lord, what are you doing? And God just brought us to Hebrews 12, where we're going to be here in a little bit. He just said, run your race. Like, I, I didn't ask you to know the end. I just asked you to trust me and run the race. And uh, through that, we have certainly become aware of God's plan, and we're thankful. We're now in Kalkaska, Michigan. I'm sure you've all heard of it. Uh, And uh, we are working with another organization to plant youth ministry in Kalkaska. Uh, There's about close to 1,000 teenagers, and less than 10% are connected to any church. And our hearts, uh, God has given us a heart for youth ministry, and and we desire to work with the local churches to establish a youth ministry, and we are doing that uh, under a ministry called Overboard Ministries. It's a ministry we started six years ago, uh, but was kind of back burner, just kind of a hobby. And uh, what we realized in our time through Michigan is God has said, no, this isn't your hobby anymore. I want you to take this full time. And so we are raising missionary support to launch full time into Overboard Ministries. Really, it's about three main components. One is, is speaking. We get opportunities to speak. I love preaching the word. Um, I, I, I'm not ashamed to say I have a very small skill set. Okay, uh, a youth minister for 20 years. Every time I go somewhere to speak, what they always ask, hey, "Do you play guitar?" No, I don't play guitar. I can't spell guitar. <laughs> okay, uh, I, I don't build. I was in construction four years during college, and my wife thought that would translate into home improvement projects. She was mistaken. Okay, um, but something God has given me is an ability and a passion to share His word, and I love to preach. And a big part of Overboard Ministries is preaching the word. My wife and I uh, teach couple seminars together, and uh, we love teaching together when we have that opportunity, and uh, and that's a a component. A second piece of what we do is publishing. Uh, What started Overboard Ministries initially was I had written a book, and I couldn't find a publisher. Uh, Apparently, they want talented writers. Who knew? Uh, And we we started working with some people, and uh, God just crossed our paths with people that, you know when God orchestrates things that you could never figure out on your own? And, uh, and through all of that, we launched a publishing company uh, to publish uh, my first book. And as a result, we've just published our 17th title. And we've helped uh, pastors and other people, men and women in ministry, uh, get their books published. And it has been a real joy. We have almost all of those titles available on the back counter. And uh, please take a look at those afterwards. Uh, they're available there. Uh, and, and that has been an interesting facet of our ministry. Uh, my first book was ended up in a women's prison, and uh, this lady got a copy of it, read it, couldn't, was just touched by it, and started passing it around, and it went cell to cell to cell. And I just marvel. I think, who, how would I ever have influence in a women's uh, minimum or uh, medium security prison? Right? Uh, only the Lord could orchestrate that. And uh, we've been amazed at what He's done with the publishing company and how some of the authors are using their books, and, uh, and that's been a huge blessing. And then the third thing we do is we uh, work, continue to work with youth, especially mentoring youth workers. Uh, we are uh, just passionate about teenagers and, and seeing them put their faith in Christ and grow in Christ. And, uh, and so part of us being in Kalkaska is planting this youth work to really help teenagers, but also to strengthen the church. We want to train youth workers. And uh, so Overboard Ministries is the umbrella. We're doing that in partnership with an organization called Crossroads Farms. And we're excited to how God is going to pull these two together uh, to do some great work. So lots of information on the table. There's flyers and things. You can go to our website, overboardministries.com, and you can see all the details there. And I hope you will. Uh, but, but the greatest thing, the greatest privilege we have is taking people to the book and having the opportunity to preach. And this morning, if you'd like to follow along, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. 
Hebrews chapter 12. Run your race. And it's really a theme that, that God has given to us uh, during this season, as I shared with you, uh, navigating uh, tough things in life. And as we get into Hebrews and, and the writer of Hebrews using this run analogy, I, I think immediately, if most people, when you hear run, you think hard work. Running is not easy. Uh, a couple years ago, my wife and I ran our first, and God willing, our last half marathon. <laughs> so how many of you have run a half or a full marathon? You've got some ultra runners in this church. People, that's a sickness, okay? Uh, running is hard work. And even when people get, get good at it, it, it's hard. It requires discipline and training. And, and I think when the, when the writer of Hebrews tells these people to run their race, immediately it was there. It's like, yeah, run. It, it, it requires effort. And, and I want to talk this morning about why running our race, why living out this life God has called us to is so hard. There, there's actually purpose behind it. And I hope this morning, even though for many of you, this is a very familiar passage, I hope to shed maybe some new light on it and to challenge you to think a little differently about how we live day in and day out. And truly, even though I'll be in Colossians all week with the students, it's about running the race. It's about living the life God has given them today, even as they think about their futures. Hebrews chapter 12. Let's read together beginning in verse 1. Actually, I'll just read. You follow along. How's that? Uh, verse 1. Therefore... Since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and and sin which clings so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint-hearted. Run your race. This morning I want to give you three thoughts about running your race and and hopefully encourage you about the challenges we face. Uh, During the the half marathon my wife and I ran, we we learned a lot about life. And uh, there's so many great analogies there, and I think, I'm confident, that's why the writer of Hebrews uh, turns to this particular analogy for us. I would love if he said, walk in the manicured parks of life, your race set out for you, Uh, but he doesn't. And even brings in the challenges that Jesus faced, and we'll get into that this morning. So the first thing I want to challenge you with here is right in our first verse. Therefore, we're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. Let us lay aside, or literally, let us throw off every weight and the sin which clings so closely. Uh, There's two things here. One is obvious. It's the sin one. Uh, We all know what sin is. Sin isn't difficult to know, right? We read the scriptures. We we know what the word says. He says, get rid of the sin in our lives. All of us deal with sin. Uh, Every single one of us struggles uh, with sin. And the challenges, uh, and I appreciate the young lady who shared about knowing our salvation. It's not about perfection. And First John telling us, if we confess, he forgives. We have an advocate on our behalf. We understand sin. And the writer of Hebrews says, hey, you got to fight sin. Okay, that's a given. I, I love the other one, though, which I think is a little more subtle and, and far more devious. It's the other things that hinder our walk with God. These aren't sin items. These are hindrances. When when my wife and I were preparing to run, we we tried to run with as little extra as possible. 
I remember the first time I got out and ran, and I, I got out and just ran. I, I, you know, I'm athletic. I'm in shape, I thought. And I got out and ran. We, we were on a camp at the time, hundreds of acres, trails all over. We're running, and I come back, and I pull out my Fitbit, and I look at it, and I had run .92 miles. I was sure that the decimal point was wrong. I was like, that's ah, got to be 9.2, right? I mean, I was not prepared for running. And, and I'll tell you, I learned quickly. I didn't, I didn't want to carry anything extra. I didn't, we bought the super thin light shirts and shorts. I, I did not want anything extra. I wanted the lightest pair of shoes I could have. I wanted them to have wings, but I, they don't make those yet. Uh, you don't want to carry anything extra when you're running. And the writer of Hebrews says, you've got to get rid of these things. The sin one we get. But it's this other one that I think is really subtle and very devious. And a few years ago, God helped me start to see some of those things in my life. Uh, we were, I was pastoring out in uh, Oregon, out in Salem. We'd been there a little over 12 years. Uh, and, and a couple from our church was going to Mexico. And my wife and I wanted to support them. It was really on our hearts, and God put it on our hearts. And, and we thought, we're going to do $60 a month. But we were on a very lean budget. We didn't have $60 a month. And, and so we're praying about this. We're talking about it. And, and, and this is vivid. I came home one night from youth group. Uh, in fact, at that time, Cheris was in our youth group. She was on our youth staff. Uh, I've known her for years. Her father was actually my youth pastor. And what a privilege to uh, be able to work with his daughter on, on, on our staff for a lot of years there. Uh, but I came home one night from youth group. And uh, our kids were young. My wife had put them in bed. She went to bed. And I, I was just decompressing. Okay. You have to do that when you work with teenagers, okay? You need decompress time. And uh, so I sat down and I turned on ESPN. Uh, we, we had satellite at the time. And, and I, I watched five channels, okay? ESPN, ESPN2, ESPN News, ESPN Classic, and if nothing else was on ESPN Deportes, okay? Uh, I'm Hispanic. I like the ESPN Deportes quite a bit, uh, so I'm sitting here and I'm watching and, and, and I remember this. It's 1.30 in the morning and I am watching ESPN Deportes, okay? Now this is what is on Spanish ESPN. They are showing a dart match in Dublin. Yeah, yeah I haven't even got to the funny part yet. Yeah. Translated into Spanish and I actually cared who was winning. I am actually rooting for one guy and cheering against the other. And I realize, what is my issue? Like, why do I care about whether McAllister wins or not, you know? I couldn't believe it. I was just, I was like, Lord, what am I doing at 1.30 in the morning watching ESPN Deportes and, and going to bed mad because my guy didn't win the, the dart championship? <laughs> I've got issues, people, right? And as only the Lord can time something, the next day, my wife and I are at the table sorting through the mail and some bills had come and the satellite bill came. And we opened up the satellite bill and you'll never guess how much we were paying a month for satellite. $62.84. And the Lord's like, oh, were you looking for 60 bucks? <laughs> Not that 60 bucks, Lord. Right? <laughs> That's ESPN Deportes. <laughs> you know what that means? <laughs> I remember turning to my wife and I said, babe, uh, we found the $60. And, and, you know, I love sports. She knows I love sports. And she's like, are you sure? Babe, change it now before I change my mind, you know. Uh, you know what? I realized ESPN was a stumbling block to me. Now, you're sitting there. Some of you are going, well, that's dumb. Okay, but what's your stumbling block? Right? You want to get up here and confess yours? It's a lot of fun, let me tell you, all right? You know, what is it? What, what's, your, what's hindering your walk with God? 
Oh, maybe it's not ESPN, but, but all of us get tangled up in this world. The boys co- quoted from Colossians 3. It, it says, set your heart and mind on things above, not on earthly things. We get tangled up in the earth all the time, don't we? We get tangled up with things that have no eternal value. And the writer of Hebrews says, throw these things off so that you can run your race. What things do you need to throw off? I'd never tell you it's a sin to watch ESPN. I love it. My friends have it and I go to their house. Hallelujah. Right? But there's something in your life. Maybe there's lots of things. Maybe it's that hobby. Maybe it's that collection. Maybe it's that activity. Maybe it's, there's something. And the writer of Hebrews says, throw it off. Don't let your run get tangled up by earthly things that have no eternal value. Run your race. So the first thing we learn here is let's throw off those things that hinder. The second thing he says, I love this, uh, let, let us lay aside every weight, the sin which clings so closely. And right at the end of verse 1, let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Uh, first, we remember Jesus marked out the race for us. You aren't running your race that you mapped out, no matter how great you think you are. I'm not running my race that I mapped out, no matter how great I think I am. It, God has mapped out the race. And he's mapped out your course and my course. And mine meant leaving the West Coast and moving to the great frozen North. That was part of my race. That's not your race. But we are to run the race that God has mapped out for us. The second thing is here, with endurance. Throwing off everything that hinders, but run your race with endurance. You know what I love about this? There's nothing mentioned about the pace at which we run. The writer just says, just keep running. You ever feel like life just doesn't ever give you a break? And you go, Lord, what are you doing? And God says, just keep running. You go, Lord, I don't feel like I'm going very fast. And he says, I didn't ask you to go fast. I just asked you to keep running. During our half marathon, there were times I'm sure people passed us and thought, Are they even moving? Yeah, we were moving, okay? It was hard at times. Almost in the last two and a half miles, most of it was uphill. And it was painful. I was dying. I found places in my body that I didn't even know existed prior to that race that started hurting. I'm like, there's something in here that I don't even know what it is that is screaming for me to stop, right? And and there were times we were just plodding along. And and if you've ever been in a race, the most irritating thing in the world is the people who pass you. They don't even feel like they're breathing hard, you know? It's like they're just running like, hey, keep up the good work. I'm like, hey, shut up. (laughs) Keep up the good work. Trip them. Yeah, how's that feel, right? I mean, there's a frustration because they're running by. But you know what? I'm not running their race. My, my job, I just, Tracy and I were on this path that we had two goals, start the race and finish the race. That's all we were trying to do. And, and there was times it was really slow. Hey, isn't that life? Man, you ever go to bed at night just going, Lord, I need a break tomorrow. And you wake up and there's no break. And God says, just run your race. I know it's hard, but run your race. It's the one I mapped out for you. And I tell you, in the last four years, there have been mornings I woke up, I was like, Lord, I don't want to run today. He said, just walk. Well, I don't want to walk today. He says, just get out of bed. (laughs) 
let's start with that. Okay. You ever got out of bed and thought, man, what a great day I've had already. Like you just woke up. That was the victory, right? I've been there. The, the writer says nothing about pace. He says, just keep going. Run with endurance. And sometimes you need someone to come alongside and pull you and push you. Other times you just need someone to walk alongside you. Sometimes you're going to walk alongside others, right? But just run your race. And what I love about this, all throughout this passage, in fact, all throughout the book of Hebrews, it's us, us, us. We are all running a race. We're not all running the same race. But we are all running a race All of us are running together and we have a glorious opportunity as brothers and sisters to help each other finish. I've said this multiple times about our race. I never would have started the race if it hadn't been for my wife, who's a runner. And yet she suffered a pretty significant injury before our half marathon. She couldn't run for the last month before the race. And literally three days before the race, her knee, I think God just healed her. Or punished her by making her well. I'm not sure which, but, but so that she could run. And we've said this, that I would never have started that race if it hadn't been for her. And she said, I never would have finished if it hadn't been for you. Because she had not run for a month and all of a sudden she's running 13 and a half miles. And, and it's hard. But together we encouraged each other. And she encouraged me to start training and practicing. And, and when it got really hard for her, I encouraged her, hey, we got to finish. And isn't that a beautiful picture of what we're called to? And the writer of Hebrews says, let us run our race together. Even though they're different races, we're running together. And and do it with endurance. Just one day at a time. Sometimes one hour at a time. You know that feeling where you, you, you just like, you clean the house and the kids come behind and destroy it, you know? Or my wife will go clean my desk. I don't know why she does it. Just, it puts everything in the wrong spot, you know? And then I come behind and destroy it. And she's like, what are you doing? Right? Don't you feel like that in life sometimes? Like, Lord, nothing is going right. Just, just run your race. Run with endurance. Run with others. But just run your race. So the writer of Hebrews says, throw off everything that hinders. Run with endurance, not speed. He says, just run with endurance. Uh, But look at the the catch to all of this in verse 2. Looking to Jesus, the founder or the author and perfecter of our faith. I love that. You see, Jesus came fully God in the incarnation, became fully man, and he ran the race. In fact, earlier in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews would say, we have a high priest who's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus experienced humanity fully. Jesus knew what hunger was. Jesus knew what it was to thirst. Jesus knew what it was to have close friends to him die unexpectedly. Jesus knew what it was to see suffering and loss in the world. Jesus knew what it was to be hated. Jesus knew what it was to have seemingly everything go against you. His own family rejected him. Jesus understood that and he ran his race anyway. And the writer of Hebrews says, run your race because Jesus ran his And we look to Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame to sit down at the Father, at the right hand of the Father. And the writer says, you run like Jesus did. And and keep your eyes fixed on him. Because he knows what's coming up in your course, doesn't he? 
And you see, this is, this is where I think things get challenging is running is hard and, and running the spiritual life is hard. And, and we, I ask the question, why God? Have you ever been there? Like, why God? Read the Psalms. David's going, why God? You know, this is hard running. Why is it so hard? And, and here it is. I, I love this. If you stop in verse four, I, I think you miss a huge part of this teaching. Jump down to verse nine with me. We're going to run by throwing off everything that hinders. We're going to run with perseverance. We're going to run with our eyes fixed on Jesus. Because right here, look at verse 9. Uh, besides this, we've had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of our spirits and live? Uh, for they disciplined us, our earthly fathers, for a short time as it seemed best to them. But God disciplines us for our good that we may share in his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is why the journey is tough. Because God knows what's ahead for you. God knows what's ahead for me. And he says, I'm training you. I'm preparing you for the future. I want to produce in you the holiness and righteousness of my son. I want you to be more like him. And it's preparation for the, what's coming up in your course. It, doesn't, it isn't pleasant, is it? There was no point where I was running up the hill at mile 10 going, Boy, Trace, I love this. This is great. Ah, and I was like, ah, you know. It's not pleasant. But I want to tell you something. When we crossed the finish line, that was one of the most rewarding moments of my life knowing we had accomplished this together. And Jesus says, I know what's ahead. Be trained by what's happening. And this discipline that he uses, the word discipline here, don't think punishment. That's not the word that's used here. It's the word discipline, which means training. Uh, some of your translations maybe say chasten. It's all about training. We know he's talking about sin. He mentioned that earlier, but he's also talking about those other things in life, isn't he? It's not just God punishing us to make us like a son. It's the discipline to cultivate in us the holiness and righteousness of Jesus. Because we're running with our eyes fixed on him. And, and, and I love the analogy to our earthly fathers. I praise the Lord. I was raised in a godly home. And, uh, and my dad disciplined us, disciplined us well. Any of you ever get the belt growing up? Any of you? Yeah. Some of your hands are still shaking when you like the belt. You're like, oh, yeah, the belt. <laughs> haven't worn one since. Uh, I, I got the belt. My dad, uh, he's a little Mexican man. I, I'm, I'm almost 6'1". Uh, my dad is like, I don't know, 5'8 or something. But he's, he's thick. And he grew up in Oakland, California. And, and he knows. He's 77. I still wouldn't fight the man. Uh, he's, he's, he's tough. And uh, when we, we were sitting down at the dinner table one time. And we all kind of had our spots. There's four kids and my parents. And my dad was at the head. My, my mom sat on the right. I sat on the left. I always thought I sat closest to him because I was his favorite. <laughs> I learned it so he could get to me faster. <laughs> and uh, who knew? Uh, we were sitting down one time. And my mom had finished up preparations. And she brought, the, she brought the, the dinner to the table. And she sat it down. And I was 10 or 11. And I, I'm third born. And she sat it down. And I said something. That, that I'm pretty sure was funny, uh, but apparently not to my father, who uh, put his hand on the table, a little firmly, like, got my attention, looked right at me, and he said, do you want me to take my belt off? Now, a lot of you know that that's a moment where you shut your mouth. 
Some people do. Uh, <laughs> I do now. <laughs> so I turned to my dad. I'm 10 or 11. Keep this in mind. I mean, and I looked right out of it and I said, not if your pants are going to fall down. I know. I know. That is comedic genius, right? And you think my dad would have been like, well, I got to put this kid in school. He's good, right? No. Uh, the interesting thing was his belt came off and my pants fell down. <laughs> you know? uh, see, that's backwards, Pops. Uh, I remember that spanking vividly. It, and, and truthfully, it, it, it shaped... First of all, if you remember a spanking, you know it was a good one, right? Uh, but it actually shaped how I disciplined my own children. To, to this day, it, it shaped because I, I was sent to my room. And soon after, my dad came in, belt in hand. And uh, once you're in the room, you know there's no commuting the, the punishment. The, your, your days of pleading are done, right? And he sat down next to me and he said, son, he goes, do you know why I'm about to spank you? You ain't got a sense of humor. That's as far as I know. <laughs> At that point, you don't want to make it any worse. But I'm sitting there and I'm like, Ugh. and he says, the Bible says that you're to honor your father and mother. And what you said to your mom tonight was so disrespectful. And then when I gave you a chance to make it right, you made it worse. And he says, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to spank you tonight because I want you to remember we have to obey the word of God. And I want to help you with that. And did he help? <laughs> yeah. I was never again punished for that kind of thing. I'm not saying I always respected my parents, but I was never punished again for that, right? Now, sometimes our earthly fathers get it wrong too, right? If you grew up in an abusive home, don't, don't hear me saying that that was acceptable, okay? But our Heavenly Father never gets it wrong. Nothing has happened in your life by accident. Nothing has come up in your race that God didn't know about. There wasn't a hill where God was like, oh, I'm so sorry. I didn't see that in the route I mapped out for you. He disciplines you perfectly. He trains you perfectly. And the end of this passage here, in verse 11, I love what it says. It will produce a harvest of righteousness for those who will be trained up by it. Fix your eyes on Jesus. When the going gets tough, turn your eyes to Jesus because he's run the race. Fix your eyes on him and say, I'm, I'm trusting you right now. It's hard. It is painful. It hurts. But I trust you because you have mapped this out for me. Run your race. Throw off anything that hinders. Run with perseverance. Run with others who are in the race. And fix your eyes on Jesus. So when you get to the finish line, you'll say, well done, good and faithful servant. You ran well. And you'll go, God, I, I was stumbling back there. He goes, I know, but you kept going. God, I had to stop at the water station and, and refill. I know, but then you kept going. And when you run with your eyes fixed on him, guess who gets all the glory? He does. And what a life, amen? Run your race. Maybe today you need to shed something that's holding you back. Maybe today you, you've stopped and you go, I need to start running again. Maybe you've lost your focus. 
It's been all about you and you got to get your eyes back on Jesus who, even though it gets tough, says, I'm doing this for your good. Run your race. Bring him the glory. Amen. That's what it's about. God, help us this morning to apply your word. We want to be runners who bring glory to you. God, we don't want people to see us cross the finish line and praise our name, praise the name of this church. We want them to praise the name of your son, Jesus Christ. So we run, God. We, we get rid of the things that hinder us. We run one step at a time with endurance, fixing our eyes on your son. All for you. Help us to, to run uh, more effectively because we spent time with you today. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen.